Hi, this is Rabbi Metz. Welcome to The Metz. This is episode number 14. And we're going to do something different this week because of Yom Kippur. I'm going to let my producer, Jack, ask any question he wants. And today, it's all going to be about Yom Kippur. Jack, take it away. Hi, Rabbi. This week's going to be kind of different. We're going to ask questions. And we're going to talk about Yom Kippur. But for the first question, I'm going to ask you about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Rabbi, what are your feelings on her passing? You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, not only did she do a lot to champion women's rights, etc., but being the rabbi, I got to fill in on the Jewish aspect of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. A lot of people don't know this, but did you know that the Supreme Court, every after their break in the summer, they always open up on the very first Monday of October. This has been going on since, I think, 1916. And never has it ever, ever not opened up on the first Sunday, uh, first Monday of October until Ruth Bader Ginsburg. One year, Yom Kippur fell out on the first Monday of October. And she realized that there's going to be a session. And it was Yom Kippur. And so she went to her other justice, Breyer, who was also Jewish, and says, we got to do something about it. She says, well, what do you think? He says, let's go together to the Supreme Court justice, the, the, big, the big judge, uh, Rehnquist at the time, and just tell him we got an issue and push it to Tuesday. Rehnquist, when he heard the request, said, no. We never, ever defer the beginning of the Supreme Court. In fact, we always have conference on Fridays, and we meet on Good Friday. We never take off for any religious reason. And Breyer went and said, okay, it is what it is. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, no, I do not want to have to work on Yom Kippur. This was her Sandy Koufax moment. So she said to Justice Rehnquist, I appreciate what you're saying, but let's say there will be a Yom Kippur or a Rosh Hashanah for that fact that fall out on the first Monday of October. And there's a Jewish lawyer who's been waiting their whole life to just stand in front of the Supreme Court. This is their one shot. But you're making them choose between standing in front of the Supreme Court and their religion. Is it fair to them? Justice Rehnquist said like this, you got a great point. No one should ever have to choose between their religion and standing in front of our court. So he said, but we must open up. So what did he do? He said, opened up for five minutes. He said, we got a quorum, all right. Everybody, go home, do what you want to do. And never, ever has Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur ever fall out on the first Monday of, of uh, October. Will they ever meet? This is the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg the Jewish legacy on the Supreme Court. Pretty, uh, pretty cool. A lot of people don't know that story. Great question. Jack, what's the next question? Rabbi, for our first Yom Kippur question, I want to ask you, what is Yom Kippur? And, and why does it come right after Rosh Hashanah? Are they essentially two halves of the same coin? Tell us a little Well, obviously, it's two halves of the same coin. But what is Yom Kippur? You see, Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of the year, of the new of the year, of, because that's the birthday of man. So we call that the beginning of the new year. 
Adam was created on Rosh Hashanah. This is when God goes and writes in the books what kind of a life you should have to a good year, blessed year, a healthy year, who shall live, who shall die, who by plague like COVID-19. God forbid anybody should continue uh, from this terrible pandemic. And then you have 10 days to, to show God, I really want to change my ways. Could you change my verdict? Now, what made Yom Kippur the day of forgiveness? Because many years ago, the Jewish people in the desert were conned into, some of them, only 3,000 Jews, by the way, were conned into having a golden calf. And God did not forgive the Jewish people until the 10th of the month of Tishrei. And God went and said, this day will be a day of atonement, that any time Jewish people want to come to me and ask for forgiveness, and they're really serious about it, I will make this a day of atonement for all their sins, etc. So it's because it happened in history. The Jews were forgiven for the golden calf. God said, let's make this day. And he added it to Rosh Hashanah. Because Rosh Hashanah is when we stood in front of the king. And he judged us what kind of a year to have. But by Yom Kippur, we can change whatever was written up for better. And that's why Yom Kippur is a very special day. Why do we fast? Because God wants us one day a year to think not about our body, not about our physicalness, but think about more of our soul. So I know we get hungry, so you're thinking about your body, but the reality is as you get older, it's easy to fast on Yom Kippur, and you're able to just enjoy the day of what it is, etc., etc. Um, Yom Kippur is greater than Rosh Hashanah in a way, because Rosh Hashanah we stood in front of God. And Yom Kippur, near the end, is the prayer called Ne'ilah. That's when God says, come into my throne room. I want to talk to you privately. And all the accusing angels, all the prosecuting angels, all the ones that want to go and say, don't give them a good year, don't give them a good year. It's like a father saying to the children, come into my study. Ne'ilah, come in, one-on-one, before the gates close. I want to have one moment with you. And let's see what you can say to me, why I should give you a better year. And that's why near the end of Yom Kippur, everybody wants to show up. Then you hear the shofar, and then everybody after that, they feel good. They go out and celebrate, which is the next holiday, four days later, the holiday of Sukkot, which you'll get to maybe next week. You got any other questions over there, Jack? Thanks, Rabbi. And and for a follow-up question, why does Yom Kippur feel so... So somber, so sad. How, how should it feel? The reason why it appears somber, and I, I use the word appear, is because, let's be honest, um, your life is on the line. Forgiveness is on the line. But, you see, we Hasidim, Hasidim are like the, the religious dudes that everybody knows, and they're always happy, they're always singing, they're always having a good time. You've got to realize something. True, God is the king of all kings, the judge of all judge. But the way I approach and the way a lot of religious Jews look at Yom Kippur is, he's my father. Avinu Malkeinu, my father, my king. So even though he's the king and even though he's the judge, what am I worried about? I got my father there. He's my father in heaven. No father in heaven is going to give a terrible edict. When the kid comes honestly and says, Dad, I'm really sorry. So if you come to my services, 
it is a little somber, but it's 90% of the time, it's so upbeat. Honestly, when Yom Kippur comes to an end, I go into a little lull because I was loving the day. The prayers are fantastic. But then the, the holiday ends. I go into a lull, but I have no time to worry about it because four days later, the holiday of Sukkot, which come back next week, everybody. I will discuss that one. What else you got there, Jack? Thanks, Rabbi. If someone was counting their days and it, and this might be their last or, or one of their last Yom Kippur's, how should they treat this holiday? What, what does it mean for them? What can you say to them? You know, during the Gulf War 1991, there was a lot of discussion going on because America was going to war with, with uh, Saddam Hussein. Was it going to be mass, uh, weapons of mass destruction? Will they attack Israel? Is it, going to be a, is it going to turn into another world war? Everybody was going crazy. So there's a famous thing that was going around and said that the Pope was saying to everybody, repent, repent, you got to get into heaven, you got to get into heaven because Armageddon is coming our way. Billy Graham was going and saying, send me your money so you can get into heaven. I'm joking. But, you know, people were doing whatever they could to get them into heaven. And then there was one lone voice on Eastern Parkway, the Lubavitcher and what did he tell everybody? Wow, world's not ending. Are you kidding me? God created this world. You think he's going to allow it to be destroyed? Everybody start singing and dancing, knowing that the miracle is coming and the war will be over before you know it. It's exactly what I would say to somebody if this was his last Rosh Hashanah Kippur. Get off the tears. Sing and dance. You're alive this year. You could be with your family. You could be at services. And even if you can't, you're alive. Sing and dance to the day you go. Why make it morbid? Enjoy your life. You know, it's like the person who's riddled with cancer. Guy, you remember the guy, Jimmy Valvano? He was a great coach for college. What happened was he was riddled with cancer. And he just got the SP award for life, etc. So all of a sudden, he's given a speech. It's, by the way, if anybody wants to hear a phenomenal, upbeat speech about a guy who's going to die in a few months, look up ESPN, Jimmy Valvano's speech. Anyway, so what happened was they started playing music. Like, come on, you know how they do it by these awards. They start playing music like they got to get to the commercial. So he stares directly into the camera, and he points with the finger. Blah, blah. You think I care about the music? I'm riddled with cancer. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to finish this speech. And he goes, and he puts up the Italian look. Hey, patience. He was living it. He was loving it. And he knew that every minute of his life was precious. That's what God wants of us. If we knew that uh, this is the last Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, enjoy it. Make it, make it count. Let God know. You want forgiveness for your life? Pray for your children. Pray for your family. And sing and dance, even if it means in bed. You know why? Because why not go out happy? And that's what God wants from everyone. That's how, God forbid, I was in that kind of pain. And the high holidays came. I want, I want my family around me singing and dancing. Because that's the way I want to feel.
too precious to be morbid. Get out there and live every life and inspire. Who knows it? Because that's what real life is all about. Great question. What else you got? Thanks, Rabbi. And final question. What will your Yom Kippur look like? What is it going to look like? Well, I'm doing two services on the night, on the Kulnidra night, the first night, Sunday night. Then I am doing three services in the morning, one after the other. I know, can't drink, can't, you know, got to do it outside. It's going to be almost 95 degrees. But, you know, if the Jews are going to show up, I'm an, I got to go and make them feel like a million dollars that they showed up to services and feeling good about their pride of being Jewish. And then in the evening, I'm going to have, again, two more services. And then uh, by that time, Yom Kippur will come to an end. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to be hot, but the amount of services, the amount of making the speeches, I am so pumped up for this. I just hope that uh, my throat, not being able to drink, will do well. Great question. Welcome back from all the questions. You know, at the end of every show, I like to give a story, something to think about. You know, a lot of Jewish people, when it comes to Yom Kippur, they go like this. Am I really that important? Am I really that great? Let me tell you a story that happened in the 1700s with a great rabbi by the name of Rabbi Leib Saris. Leib Saris. His mother's name was Sarah. She brought him up. His father died when he was very, very young. So he took on the name Rabbi Leib Saris. And he used to travel. Um, and he came to a city right before Yom Kippur. And he went to the synagogue. And he asked the people there, um, do we have a minion? You know, what time? They said, minion? No, you're number nine. There's no other Jew. We only have eight Jewish men in this city. So he says, can't be that there's nine Jews. There's got to be a tenth. Anyone else? He said, no, no. He says, you'll see. There'll be a tenth man. So he said, you know, you're a guest here. It's good that you have positive thinking, but it ain't going to happen. Comes the time to start call, uh, Yom Kippur, the Kol He looks around and he says, there's got to be a Jew. So one of the men that were there says, there is a Jew. Jonathan. But boy, is he an anti-Semite. He's a self-hating Jew. He hates us. He's always hanging around with the governor. And he, whenever the governor has anything to say, he just makes fun of us. He says, oh, he's Jewish? Let me go. Where does he live? Don't go to him. He's only going to make trouble. Where does he live? They gave him the address, and he went. He knocks on the door. 20 minutes later, the eight men in the synagogue are shocked. Jonathan is sitting in the synagogue. They put a yarmulke on you know, a head covering on him. He didn't even take a book. He just stared. A whole night, he just stared. The only thing he did was he moved his lips when he had to say, Amen. Amen. Services were over. People stayed during the night to say some prayers. And they all left. But sitting in his chair was Jonathan. Next morning, they all came back. Jonathan was sleeping on the bench. When he heard them come in, he got up and he just sat there. Sometimes he stood up. And every once in a while, 
he would just stare. At the end of Yom Kippur, as it was coming to an end, all of a sudden the cantor was going, Shema Yisrael. You know, the, the, you're supposed to say it with your loud voice. Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem, Achor. And everybody said it, and then all of a sudden, Jonathan, out of nowhere, went, Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem, Everybody looked. It's the first words that he heard. And then, and then Hashem, you know, the three lines that we say out loud to end off Yom Kippur. And at the last one, he fainted. He fainted. They revived him. They put him onto the bench. They gave him some food. And Rebleib Saris walked him back to his house. The next day, everybody went and asked Rebleib, okay, you're a guest in town. What happened? He says, yeah, he hates you guys. He says, why does he hate us? Is because he doesn't know anything about Judaism. He only knows one or two prayers. And because he doesn't understand you, he just hates you. Then all of a sudden I walk in and I said, but I need you. He says, I'm not religious. I don't even know how to pray. He says, so what? You make the tenth. God can't come to synagogue until there's a tenth. He said, me. Me. The one who makes all the trouble for the Jews. Me. He goes, yeah, you. I need you. And the whole Yom Kippur, I was just sitting there. Why don't I know anything about Judaism? Why did my parents not teach me anything? Rebleib Saris stayed there for two months. And he taught Jonathan more about Judaism until Jonathan just learned how to read, learned how to pray, and Jonathan joined the community. Not once in a while to be the tenth man, but he was the ninth person, always waiting for the tenth. He came back to Judaism, and that is Yom Kippur, everybody. Don't look at the rabbi like he's the one that knows everything. We're all God's children. And God recognizes that some of us are very, very observant. And some of us have potential to be observant. God wants you in his house. That's what Yom Kippur is. The Jew, no matter how far we go, Yom Kippur proves, no matter where a Jew may roam, you can always come back home. May you all have a meaningful Yom Kippur. God bless you. And I'll see you next week. Remember, every decision you make, make it the right one. Because we always got to be a match. Shana Tova.